Exodus 15:22 through 16:20. Bitter water made sweet. Then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter. Therefore, it was named Marah. And the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a log. And he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. There the Lord made for them a statue and a rule, that there he tested them, saying, If you will diligently listen to the voice of your Lord, your God, and do what that which is right in his eyes, and give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord, your healer. Then they came to Elam, where there were twelve springs of water and seventeen palm trees, and they encamped there by the water. Bread from heaven. Verse 16. They set out from Elam, and the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, Would we, would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full? For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill the whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people should go out and gather the day's portion every day, that I may test them, whether they will walk in my law or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. So Moses and Aaron said to all the people of Israel, At evening you shall know that I was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, and in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your grumbling against the Lord. For what are we that you grumble against us? And Moses said, When the Lord gives you in the evening meat to eat, and in the morning bread to full, because the Lord has heard your grumbling, that you grumble against him, what are we? Your grumbling is not against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, Say to the whole congregation of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. And as soon as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of people of Israel, they looked towards the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the people of Israel. Say to them, At twilight you shall eat meat, in the morning you shall be filled with bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. In the evening, quail came up and covered the camp, and in the morning, dew lay around the camp. And when the dew had gone up, there was on the face of the wilderness a fine, flake-like thing, fine as frost on the ground. When the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather of it, each one of you, as much as you can eat, and you shall take, each take an omer according to the number of the persons that each of you has in his tent. And the people of Israel did so. They gathered some more, some less. But when they measured it with an omer, 
Whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. Each of them gathered as much as he could eat. And Moses said to them, No one leave any of it over till morning. But they did not listen to Moses. Some left part of it till morning, and it bred worms and stank, and Moses was angry with them. 1621 through 177. Morning by morning they gathered it, each as much as he could eat. But when the sun grew hot, it melted. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread, two omers each. And when all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, This is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake and boil what you will boil. And all that is left over lay aside to be kept till the morning. So they laid it aside till the morning as Moses commanded them. And it did not sink and there were no worms in it. Moses said, Eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is a Sabbath, there will be none. On the seventh day, some of the people went out to gather, but they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Remain each of you in his place. Let no one go out of this place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. Now the house of Israel called its name manna. It was like coriander seed, white, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. Moses said, This is what the Lord has commanded. Let an omer of it be kept throughout your generations, so that they may see the bread with which I fed you in the wilderness when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. And Moses said to Aaron, Take a jar and put an omer of manna in it, and place it before the Lord to be kept throughout your generations. As the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron placed it before the testimony to be kept. The people of Israel ate the manna forty years till they came to a habitable land. They ate the manna till they came to the border of the land of Canaan, and Omer is the tenth part of an ephah. All the congregation of the people of Israel moved on from the wilderness of sin by stages, according to the commandment of the Lord, and camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore, the people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water, and the people grumbled against Moses and said, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried to the Lord, What shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, Pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel. And taking your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile, and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water shall come out of it, and the people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the name of the place Massah and Meribah, because of the quarreling of the people of Israel, and because they tested the Lord by saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Good morning. My name is Rich Wellman. I am rich in the Lord. I am a well man. It is well with my soul. 
And Dan will be here next week, not this week. Is the Lord with us or not? Yes. Yes, I already heard it. Yes. Yes, the Lord is among us. But it's a funny place for me to start the sermon on the very last verse, right? No, it doesn't mean you can go home already. I thought, though, when I read that, well, yes, he was with them. He opened the sea, and he, he let them walk right through it, and he drowned their enemies. What more proof did they need of God's favor and provision? And yet, God was teaching them about faith. What's your response this morning to the challenges and the blessings of life? Are you humble or do you grumble? Do you follow God more nearly and dearly after His greatest blessings? And if so, how long? A second? An hour? A day? Maybe a year? Perhaps, like me, you quickly forget how he blessed. Perhaps saying, in effect, well, that was yesterday, God. What about today? Or perhaps, this is too hard. I want to go back to Egypt, where I came from. Even though, if they were honest, it wasn't such a great place to be. So what happened right before today's passage? Well, it comes on the heels of a song of praise by Moses and the people and a song of praise by Miriam and the women about the parting sea events. And today we heard three more times of God's awesome provision to them. Along with a consistent Reaction before each one. And what was that? They grumbled. They grumbled. In these three miraculous provisions, we see bitter water was made pure. The provision of manna and quail was given to them. That is, he fed them from the sky, so to speak. And finally, water was produced from a rock. Pretty amazing, isn't it? Yet, digging deeper, there are several threads here. Well, first of all, forgetfulness, which I can really relate to. There was testing, and there were powerful, powerful, excuse me, there were poor theology. Forgetfulness, testing, and poor theology. First of all, before each miracle or testing, they forgot God's previous powerful provision. When they ran out of water, and what they did find was bitter, they forgot their miraculous deliverance at the Red Sea and how God had provided there. When they had no food, they seemed to have forgotten the deliverance and the sweet water. And when they were out of water again, they seemed to have forgotten the manna, the sweet water, and the deliverance that they had been provided. Why do I say forgot? Because they were grumbling at each of these tests. 
they seemed to forget that what God was capable of. Before we get go and be too hard on them, though, let's give them just a tiny bit of credit. You see, no one had relied upon God in the way that God was testing them. They hadn't seen these sorts of challenges before. No water, wander off into the wilderness for three days, and so forth. They were, in fact, tested by these miracles. God tested them in verse 15, 25, where we read, There the Lord issued a ruling and instruction for them and put them to the test. And again, Exodus 16, 4, where we read, In this way I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. And finally, where we ended in the passage in 17.7, we read, And he called the place Massa and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us? So they were both being tested and they also tested the Lord. Next is their theology. It was a little off. They grumbled against Moses, but who was it that was really their true sustenance? It was God, wasn't it? Not Moses. In fact, Moses points it out to them in verse 8 where we read, Your grumbling is not against us, but against the Lord. And of course, we need to ask too, what is our ultimate source of strength and provision? It's the Lord not us human beings. But we also see in this, excuse me, whoops. So we have forgetfulness, testing, and skewed theology. But we also see in this passage God's tremendous mercy, His patience, even though they lacked faith, or perhaps hadn't learned it yet, and so they grumbled. We see also the power and provision of God, even though they grumbled. We see the miracles of God that should, should bring glory to God, as well as praise from His people. But, yeah, they grumbled, right? You're going to get tired of me saying that, probably. But the passage said it throughout, so the passage can say it. I can say it, right? Let's look at these three provisions, though, a little bit. When they came to Mara, they could not drink the water because it was bitter. Well, I wondered about that. What's bitterness to you and I? Perhaps you think of bitterness as your morning cup of coffee without the cream. Why? Because somebody forgot to pick it up, which you're also bitter about. But that's all a bit too simple, isn't it? Yeah, think about it. Most of us probably haven't gone three days into the wilderness without something to drink or running out of something to drink, whichever the case may be. 33 miles into an unknown wilderness. And none of us have probably ever miraculously walked on dry ground through a sea to be delivered from our enemies. Correct? Am I assuming correctly? 
Whatever our reasons, we can all become embittered at times for many different reasons, including the lack of basic bread and water. And even before they left Egypt, they could have been quite bitter from their stress under Pharaoh. Much better reasons, though, than our creamer, right? So how do we ask the question that they ask? In, in what manner? With what attitude? What shall we drink? Are you going to help me, God, or not? Or do we ask humbly when we reach our challenges? God, you can do all things. Would you please provide for our needs? It's something like that. But it's worth asking. When the circumstances of life slam us hard, how do we meet those challenges? Do we grumble? Do we wait? Do we trust? It's really not simple, is it? So, let's not be too hasty to judge one another when we, when we confront our challenges. God's people grumbled over and over again, didn't they? But God was patient and understanding. God has his purposes in making the people thirst and also in waiting to provide. And I'm sure you've all experienced that in your challenges. Having to wait. It's the hardest thing we do, isn't it? There was something else here, though, with the bitter waters. God gave them a rule to live by with his provision. Did you hear that rule? If. Always a big word, though only two letters. If. You will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes and give ear to his commandments and keep all the statutes. I will put none of these diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. But we see in Exodus 16:20 later that regarding collecting the manor on the Sabbath that some did not listen. We read, but they did not listen to Moses. Some left part of the manna till the morning, and it bred worms and stank. And Moses was angry with them. Are we humble? And do we wait for his provision? Or do we grumble impatiently against even a man like Moses? In this rule, God was preparing them for what? For the commands and the rules that he would give them to live by, including the big the Ten Commandments. The ultimate purpose of those commandments was what? To be a holy people, set aside to God, unique, unique to the world. That's what we are to be also as Christians. To love God with all of our hearts and to learn how to love one another and act differently from the world we see around us. There was a mention in there about the diseases of the Egyptians in the passage. This is sort of a side note, but it's important too. Yes, God is our healer, but what were those diseases? 
that he spoke of. If you go back to Deuteronomy 28:27, we read, The Lord will strike you with the boils of Egypt and with tumors and scabs and itch, of which you cannot be healed. Of which you cannot be healed. God promises His people that they will not have those hopeless diseases. Not health and wealth, but simply a promise. As God's chosen people and favored people, separated unto God and holy. They were favored. So first, God provides sweet water from the bitter waters they came to. And then he provides bread and quail. I wondered, who provides the very bread and food that sustains you? What does your spouse say about you when your meals aren't on schedule? Is it like saying at Moody's Diner, the Moody's Diner, when I get hungry, I get moody? Do you get that from your spouse? Sounds like these folks in the desert, though, also. Let's look at the provision of food to them. A month and a half after they set out from Egypt, we read this account. The whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by meat pots and ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Whoa. What an accusation. But they were desperately hungry too. Let me ask you, who or what would you have chosen at that time? A severe taskmaster like Pharaoh? Or one who could miraculously provide for your needs? Would you choose the familiar, that is, that oppressive slavery that they knew, even though a wretched existence? Or would you trust God's abundant ability to provide His bountiful provision and favor? Which, which, which would you choose? Remember, though, faith is walking in that which we cannot But we can walk on the basis of what we have previously seen when provided for. That's what they had the chance to do. And we saw that progression of miracles. And yet each time, what did they do? They grumbled. I have often grumbled. Yep. I wanted to go back to Egypt, so to speak, as Steve Green used to sing in a song. But we can't, can we? We read a little further here that the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I'm about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them, whether they will walk in my law or not. Isn't that the daily challenge in our faith? Whether we will walk in God's way. In the second test here, 
God gives very specific instructions that they were to gather manna only six days a week and they were to rest on the seventh. And God promises He will provide enough on the sixth for the seventh. But if they held on to more than the supply they were supposed to, it stank. Yet before this one too, this miracle too, God heard their grumbling and He provided food bountifully, not just that one day, 40 years. God hears our grumbling too. And though we see other places in the Bible where God seemed to run out of patience at times, He does hear our grumbling. 16.12 says, I have heard the grumbling of the people of Israel. And He did. And He took care of them, didn't He? 16.9 said it too. Listen to this. Say to them, at twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. It's a good thing to remember when we're being challenged. Isaiah writes of this also. I just learned this, this verse recently, but he says, Be not dismayed, for I am your God. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. What great assurance. So who are you going to trust? He provided the meat and bread. What God does, He does to build our faith. That we know that He's among us, that we would believe Him and remember His mercy, that we would trust Him, that we would know He provides mercifully, albeit life from an earthly perspective at times really stinks. As I mentioned earlier, though, in verse 8, we also see that Moses corrects their theology. Well, what did I mean by that? Your grumbling is not against us, but against the Lord, Moses said. God provided food and water for them, not Moses. Moses points them to the real source of their provision. And there is another miracle here, too, that I said I was only going to deal with three, but there's actually a fourth one I found just two days ago when I was going through this passage again. It says, As soon as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, this is verse 10, they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the clouds. John Wesley says, the glory of the Lord, an extraordinary and sudden brightness. Another miracle. Another reason to believe. They saw a portion of the glory and the power of God in ways the rest of the world had not or did not. When we tune our hearts to God and to heaven, God sheds light on that which is important. We see His glory here and beyond. There are benefits to following God, and there are downsides to not. And mercy 
still to be had. We see the provision of food that the people had trouble keeping God's instructions. Surprising, huh? Moses said to them, let no one leave any of it till morning. But they did not listen to Moses. Some left part of it till the morning and it bred worms and stank. The, the instructions of God are always there to bring ultimate freedom to us. But not freedom to do whatever we want, but freedom to live without the snares of sin and our own self-inflicted wounds. So, if we are forgetful and know that there will be tests and need to understand God's ways correctly, how do we remember the prior mercies of God so that we learn to walk faithfully? Well, in this passage, God tells them to put some of that manna in a jar as a remembrance of God's blessing. And Moses said to Aaron, take a jar, put an omer of manna in it, and place it before the Lord to be kept throughout your generations. What do we do each day to remember God's previous mercies? Maybe a journal, maybe a special picture, maybe a special place that you meet with the Lord each day, maybe a verse, something, something so that we remember His previous miracles. Whatever it is, it's important because we are all inclined to forget, to forget him in different ways, and in my case, at different speeds. Remember, they had a problem forgetting. And I can emphasize with that in so many ways. We too shortly will remember Jesus' great sacrifice for us when we take communion. We are to do this often. So we don't forget his great love. And that is early, like Adam often says. We come now to the third, well, maybe the fourth, miracle and test of his provision in this passage. Behold, I will stand before you on the rock at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water shall come out of it. And the people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel, and he called the name of the place Massa and Meribah because of the quarreling of the people of Israel and because they tested the Lord by saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Ever felt that way in the midst of your trial? Is the Lord with us or not? Three times in a row they grumbled against God and or Moses in today's passage. Now, in baseball, you of course know what? They would have struck out. In his mercy, though, he provided again and again, overlooking their, their grumbling. Moses was frustrated and angry, but God wasn't surprised. Once again, God provided mercifully. And remember, too, that this is millions of people moving from one place to another. The, it, the word says 600,000 men, but also their wives and children. And 
being a numbers person, that started going around my head. So how many did he have to feed, and, and how many did he have to give a drink to? Well, even if we assume only 3 million people, it would take over 32 tractor-trailer truckloads of 16.9-ounce bottles of Poland Springs water to feed that crowd, I mean, to give that crowd a drink once. And what did God do? Over and over again. So we see this morning, I digress, I know. We see this morning how God provided bountifully and mercifully, even though they grumbled repeatedly. We see the need to trust God, not man, for physical as well as spiritual, mental, and emotional provision. We see the need to remember God's blessings that have come before. So we perhaps learn not to grumble and instead to humbly pray and walk in faith. God has provided and is providing and will continue to provide. He provided water from a rock to those millions and bread for them for 40 years. So where might all of this point us to the gospel this morning? This morning we also remember Christ's provision in the Last Supper. He is the very living bread that we read about in John 6.35. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall not thirst. Of course, we're talking spiritual now and not physical food. As put forth in John 7, though, he is also the living water. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water water. That phrase caught my attention. From an article in DesiringGod.org, they write this about those rivers. It means when you come to Jesus to drink, you don't just get a single drink, but you get a spring, a fountain, and a well. You get Jesus. Rivers of water will flow because a river maker, capital R, capital M, is in you. That's the point. You will never have to search again for a source of satisfaction for your soul. For from your soul will flow Jesus. When you come to Him, you get Him. And He never leaves. He never leaves. 2,000 years ago, God poured out the cup of His own life in the flesh, and it's by His Son, Jesus. We remember while on the cross that when Jesus said Himself, I thirst. And it was a thirst like none other. And just consider also the bitterness that we were talking about. The bitterness of His ordeal before and upon the cross. No one has ever known such bitterness. Thinking about that first miracle I mentioned today, about the log that brought the sweetness. Well, the sweet log of the resurrection changed the bitterness of death to life. 
the sweet laws of resurrection change the bitterness of death to life. God provided abundantly in Jesus. Jesus endured the very bitterness of the cross. He gave Himself for us that our bitterness of death and sin might be turned to sweetness. That doesn't mean we don't walk through the valleys of the shadow of death on earth. But it means the bitterness of death is taken away eternally. And the sweetness of life everlasting is ours forevermore. The truth of this is put forth in Corinthians where we read, Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? So, as we consider the provision for the Israelites and the provision of Christ, the provisions for us physically and spiritually, and the bounty of our blessings, let's bow for a word of prayer. Lord, You are our great provider. And Lord, when things come that we haven't seen before, we too, Lord, often want to go back to Egypt or ask, is the Lord among us or with us? Thank You that You are, Lord. Thank You that You are patient and merciful. And as we come to this table now, we again recognize that incredible grace and mercy. And we thank You for this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would the elders come forward that will be helping serve communion today?